his uh, disciples, they were caught unaware. When the women went to the tomb, and he wasn't there. That moment changed human history forever. That's why we gather on Easter Sunday 2021 to lift up the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and changed not only human history but our lives. Let's give it a hand. Come on. Come on. It's a good thing. Ah, it feels good. I feel like we're starting to come back. I, uh, as a kid, I fancied myself doing a number of different things in life. My formative years were spent, as some of you know, on a farm, so I thought, well, maybe, maybe God's will for me was to be a farmer. But then I realized I don't really like tractors, and I don't like moving hay from one place to another, and I really don't like cleaning up after sheep. So, farmer's probably out. Then I got into comic books, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe uh, God was going to call me to be a superhero. You know, I would pray for these gamma rays, because it's only gamma rays, apparently. That creates superheroes, it seems like. Praying for these gamma rays to somehow zap me, and I would, you know, put a cape on, and I'd be good. That obviously didn't quite work out. I got into music, and I thought, well, maybe I'm, I'm supposed to be a, a rock star, be up on stage, and millions know my name. And then later, I, I kind of fancied myself as maybe, a, maybe a, a, an athlete. I kind of got into basketball, and... and uh, that didn't quite work out. But after high school and college, I began to wrestle with that big universal question. Who am I? Like, who is, who is Ben Bauman? Who is this guy? What is going to be my place in this world? What is going to be my role? And, and the thing is, it's kind of universal, isn't it? We ask that a lot of kids. What do, what do we ask kids, young people? We say, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And some of us grown-ups are still asking that question, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? Can I get a witness? We, uh, we ask that question because it's, it's more than just how are they going to get a paycheck. It's who are you going to be? What space are you going to occupy in this world? And we tell kids this all the time, don't we? We say, you can be, come on, anything you want to be. And, you know, I heard that as a kid too. And when I was playing basketball, I sort of fancied myself as an NBA player. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I don't have the stature involved, and I can't really shoot a basketball that well. So is that really true? Kids can be anything. But I understand the sentiment, right? That uh, what do you want to dream? What's your dream going to be? Look, even adults, and this is definitely true for, for, for men, but also I think it's also true for ladies. When you meet someone for the first time, what do you want to know? Uh, certainly where are you from and that sort of thing. In fact, that's kind of a Dallas thing, isn't it? We want to know how to place you in Dallas. But we also ask that other big question. You know you've heard it. What do you do for a living, right? That, that like becomes the big thing. That's like the identity marker is what do you, what do, you do for a living? We ask that all the time because we want to figure this out because we're, we're hinting at something that I think is a universal, crucial question, and that's a question of identity. Who are you? Who are you? And that's what we're going to be tackling today in the next several weeks. I hope you can make a point of being here with us, whether that be in person. That's awesome. We're online, too. We see you, the digital folks out there. We would love to have you stick with us for a while in this series because this is a crucial, crucial question. Who are you? What is your identity? What is it? Now, if you have a, a wallet or a, a purse, maybe, why don't you take a moment, if you're okay with this, and pull out your ID. Now, pull out your ID. If you're online, we see you too. Pull out your ID. 
even if it's at home or if you're in bed or whatever, uh, <laughs> pull out your, your item. I have, uh, we're, we're, in, we're in obviously the United States, so we, ha we have people actually online watching from other countries. So I have to say, <laughs> we're in the United States. And I'm in Oregon, so I have my Oregon driver's license here. And I look at my photo, and I'm kind of embarrassed to show you this photo. Don't zoom in on this camera, guys. Um, but I have my photo here, and maybe you've got yours too. You could hold it up, it's okay. You know, shield it from your neighbor if you're afraid or whatever. Uh, you know, look at that photo. Is that who you are? <laughs> Some of you are like, wow, I really need to update my photo. But there's other stuff on here too, right? Like uh, your, your weight and height. How's your weight doing on, on this one? People were saying it's the COVID-15, like they used to say about freshmen in college. Actually, the Wall Street Journal said it's more like the COVID-30, that people have gained that much in this whole thing, and I can attest that it's been difficult. But you look at this, this, this ID. Now, mine has a sticker on it because I changed addresses, and then they give you this really high-quality sticker to put over the old address. But the minute you stick it in and out of your wallet like once, it's all rubbed off. So that's the high-quality uh, government ID that I got, got here. But, uh, but yeah, you, is, this, is this who you are? Is, is this who you're, now, now mine has, on the back, it has a motorcycle endorsement because uh, I do ride a motorcycle every once in a while. But, but when you think about it, is this it? Is, is this you? Is this all there is? You see, we, we have to answer that question, what makes you, you? Now, some of you, you might answer that question by saying, well, you know, maybe your, your gender or your race or maybe, maybe um, your, your marital status or your relationship status, whether that be single uh, divorced, uh, widowed, uh, complicated. I don't know what that might be for you. But we, we identify ourselves by all kinds of things. What about your, your maybe you're identified by your career, uh, your, your economic status, maybe, maybe your academic prowess, maybe you have a, a, a doctor behind your name. But all these ways we do to identify ourselves. We, we use these to identify who we are. In this series, we're looking at that big question. We're trying to unpack the question, just who are you anyways? And it's a, it's a crucial question. This is a series that I'm hoping that you can stick with us for, because I, th I think it's really important to understand this one truth. If you are a human being, in person or online, look, if you're a human being, you have been invited by the King of Kings to be part of a family where your Father, your Heavenly Father, loves you fiercely. You have been invited to be part of a family where your father loves you so much that he would do whatever it took to be in a relationship with you. See, this is the foundation of our identity. We are so, so fiercely loved by a father who would do anything for you. And he did. And we celebrate that today. And so this series, we're looking at that. And that foundational piece is you have been invited to become and live as a son and daughter of the King of Kings. You have access to the throne. And we're going to be talking about that today in the next several weeks. So uh, my name is Pastor Ben. Glad you're with us today, whether that be in person or online. We're one family. God can work in both physical and digital space. Did you know that? And he's not surprised by any of this. And so we know there's some folks online. I'm glad you're here with us today. We are one church family honoring Jesus today. And he has got an identity for us that's powerful. And if you lean in to the identity God's created for you, it will be game changer for your life. 
So let's pause now for a word of prayer and then get into our, our content today. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your great love for us. Father, you're mighty and powerful and you love each one of us. Father, help us to lean into that love today. Would you challenge us and encourage us today to live as your children? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There's, uh, by the way, I want to point something out to you. I, I kind of forgot to mention it. As you, you came in, you might have seen one of these on your, on your chairs. This is what we call a passport. I know you're thinking, wow, that's clever. We're talking about identity and you have a, a passport. You, yeah, that's just the kind, of the kind of the genius that we have around here. This passport is really an idea for you to go deeper. See, as Christ followers, this is not a Sunday morning event. Did you know that? We're a th we, we, you know, 24-7, 365, we're following Jesus. So this is hopefully going to carry you a little deeper into our study of identity. And, and each week, you can bring it back if you're coming in person. And there's even a little spot. I know this is cheesy, but I think it's kind of cool. We have a little stamp that's a thumbprint, and we can stamp that for you every week. And when you get all the way through, you can pat yourself on the back. Uh, that's... <laughs> But this is just to help you. It's a tool, right? It's a tool to help you go deeper, really discovering what that identity for you is. Now, it has been said by scholars that the Bible, and I've got my copy here. It's a well-used well copy. It probably, I probably need to get a new one. This book we call the Bible, 66 books, scholars have talked about this book being God's love story to humanity. It's his love story to humanity. And cover to cover, Old Testament and New Testament, did you know that this thing talks a lot about God's love? Don't believe me? Let's, let's read some, some scriptures, huh? Jeremiah 31.3 says this, I have loved you. This is God speaking. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Nehemiah 9.17 says, But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in what? Love. Isaiah 54.10, come on. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. That's the Old Testament. We have lots we can hit in the New Testament, but here's a big one. You know this already. John 3.16, come on, come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Did you know that God loves you today? He loves you with a big God-sized love. Now you might be thinking, okay, Ben, that's great. I've heard that before. I've heard all about love. God loves me. And that seems like this big thing in the clouds, right? It seems like this idea, this abstract thought that God loves us. Okay, that's great, Ben. But how does that play out in my actual daily life? Isn't that what we really want to know? How does that work in, in, in my family? And how does that work in my, my career situation, which is going sideways? How does that work in my normal life? Well, I'm glad you asked. So that's why we're going to go to this obscure book in the Old Testament. I know it's weird on Easter, but we're actually going to go to the book of Hosea. So find the book of Hosea. Some of you know this book. And you know how crazy, amazing this book is. Hosea is in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Now, Hosea, what do we know about Hosea? Hosea was what they call a minor prophet. Now, here's a Bible nerd moment for you for a second. You may wonder, well, well that seems like a very important title, a minor prophet. Well, there are minor prophets and major prophets in the Bible. And you know what the difference is? How big their, their, uh, their contributions to the pages are. So Isaiah would be considered a major prophet. Why is that? Well, he has his... his his pages are more in the Bible than some of the minor prophets who have less pages. I know that seems very spiritual uh, right there, but 
but, but even though, it, whether you're major or minor, these prophets had a really important role for, for God's people. The prophets had lots of uh, jobs to do. One of them was to, to preach, and, and that was to, to tell people to come back to God. That was probably the biggest job that a prophet had back in the day. But there were other jobs they had too. Sometimes they would speak truth to power. Other times, it's, not always, but sometimes they would predict the future. But their big role was to call people back to the great love of God. And that's what Hosea is all about. Now, what, do we, what else do we know about Hosea? Hopefully you found it by now. Go, go to chapter 1 of Hosea. What do we know about him? Well, he was a bachelor at first here as we get into the story. He was a bachelor and he was a farmer. Now, I, my heart goes out to farmers because I understand the farming thing. He was a bachelor farmer. Next time that whole bachelorette, you know that whole reality series, I want to see bachelor on the farm. That's what I, that's what I want to see. Hosea was a farmer guy minding his own business, plowing, whatever they do with the plow. And uh, God calls him to be a prophet uh, and to go talk to the people of Israel. Now, now Hosea was called to, to, to this new role to kind of leave his farming behind and become this prophet preacher at a really rough time in Israel. How rough, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Uh, seven kings in 30 years. Seven kings in 30 years. Now, we think of presidents, right? We get a new president every four years, and it doesn't seem to me like that crazy. But kings are different. Because when a king comes in, it's like ushering in a whole new monarchy, and everything changes. So think about that. Seven major shifts in the political monarchy in 30 years. The nation was, was losing its identity. It was following all kinds of different pathways religiously. It was a mess. And God calls Hosea to speak to the people. And you know what the number one way that God used Hosea wasn't necessarily his great eloquent speaking as a farmer. God asked him to get married. God asked him to get married to a gal named Gomer. I know that's high on your short list for naming your kids or grandkids. A uh, little girl, you want to look at Gomer as a, as a hot option for you. Gomer probably wasn't that hot option. But God calls Hosea to marry Gomer. And so he does this, and then they have three kids. The first kid is Jezreel. If you got chapter 1, you, you check me on this, okay? I, I want you to be checking me on this. Chapter 1 of Hosea, he gets married, and they have the first child, which is Jezreel. It's a little boy. And then the second child, check this out, is a little girl. And God asks them to name the little girl No Mercy. So if you thought Gomer was a good one, we got a few others for you. No Mercy. And then they have another child, child number three. It's a little boy. And did you see in the scriptures what, they, what God asked them to name child number three? You are not my people. So there you go. If you uh, need some names for your kids or grandkids, <laughs> Gomer, start, then no mercy, and you're not my people. Now, obviously, these names meant something. God was using this marriage and this, 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 this connection and these children as sort of a metaphor to speak truth to the nation of Israel that had gone way astray. And so they get married and they have these three kids, but then things go sideways because Gomer begins to have extramarital affairs, and it's, 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 it's a lot of them. So much so that Gomer is eventually sold into slavery. So a pretty dark situation, right? And I can imagine Hosea is having a rough time with this. And then as you look at chapter 3, God tells Hosea, you need to go get your wife 
bring her back, and in fact, you're going to need to buy her back. You're going to need to pay for her to pay off the, 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 the indebtedness and bring her back to your home. And so we get this story, right, of, of, of this faithful spouse, if you will, and, and, and kind of going after an unfaithful spouse. And you, you might kind of already see where this is headed. Where God loved his people, but his people, us. We're unfaithful sometimes. And this is a big metaphor. Now, you think about it, Hosea's greatest sermon was kind of his life. He lived this out. And so he's living out this tragedy. And God is saying, look, Israel, my people, you were supposed to love me and serve me. But what happened is the people went astray. And so the moral of this story is really a story of redemption. That, that God redeemed you know, his people. Now, now, certainly Hosea had to go and actually redeem Gomer back with money. But now we know the rest of the story, don't we? That, this is a, that was a small little foreshadowing of what would happen on the cross so many years ago. Where Jesus doesn't buy us back with money, he buys us back with his very blood. And so we have this, this story of God's... Look, God is still going to punish sin. Sin is still an issue. But he loves us so much, he just can't let us go. That is good news. You think about your life, you think about the mistakes that you've made... God is offering something special to you. His unconditional love. Even when we toss aside that, that good news, even when we toss aside his love, he still loves you and I radically, and he redeemed us by his blood. I like what one scholar said. They said this, it's not because we deserve it. It's because his, his mercy demands it. I love Psalm 103, verse 10. And it says, aren't you so glad that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve? Can I get an amen on that? Come on. Come on. Online, we're hearing you. Come on. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. That is good news. I love what uh, Joyce Myers, you might know her. She's written a lot of things. She's a speaker and writer. Uh, she said this when she was discovering Jesus. This is part of her testimony. She wrote this. She said, you know what? The Holy Spirit stopped me one day and asked me, and this is Joyce talking. She says, uh, she says uh, the Holy Spirit asked, do you, do you believe that God loves you? And, and, and in her testimony, she said, well, yeah, I, I think I, in theory I believe that God loved me, but only if I was doing all the right things. Anybody get a witness on that? Only if I was doing all the right things would God love me. And she said it was game changer when she realized that God loved her unconditionally. You see, the book of Hosea teaches us a number of things. In fact, this week, I encourage you to read it. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a sordid tale, ups and downs. It talks about God's judgment, but also a whole lot about his mercy. So I encourage you to read that this week. We can't read through the whole thing this morning. But it's a, it's, it's a powerful book. I know it's in the Old Testament, and I know it's a minor prophet, but it's a good thing. The, the, old, the whole Bible's pretty good. Uh, so I've read it. I, I, spoiler alert, it's pretty good. So, so read that this week. But look, Hosea tells us this, and these are some great truths to take with you. If you're enslaved right now, God will buy you back. Not because he has to, because he wants to. You see the difference there? Look, if you're lost, God will seek you out. 
He wants to find you. If you're ashamed, God wants to cover you. If you wander off, God wants to bring you home. If you give up on him, he won't give up on you. No matter where you are, God sees you and he loves you. This is, this is so important to our identity. So you ask the question, right? Just who are you? Oh boy. In Christ, God reaches out and says, look, when you're tired of striving and wandering and wondering what to do, come back home. In Christ, he wants to remind you, you are so radically loved. If you are faithless, like the people were back in Hosea's day, he will heal you of your faith, faithlessness. He loves you fiercely. It's like, it's like this. It's like God has written on your soul, on your life, the ver- these, these three words, I love you. He has written these words on you. It's like a, a divine tattoo, if you will. I love you. You need, to, you need to lean into that truth today. He loves you radically. Oh, may we never treat that carelessly. That God loves us so much. Fiercely, he loves us so much. It, look, you are so loved by God today. If you didn't know that coming in, you are so loved by God. In fact, did you know that your love, or that God's love for you, is unearned? Now, some of you are pretty good, but not even those of you who are really good, and I'm not putting myself in that category. Nothing you did earns you God's love. He already loves you. God's love is unearned. Listen to that for a second. It is unearned. And not only that, it is unconditional. There are no strings attached to God's love. Isn't that good news? Think about all the things in life where you're given a gift but there's strings attached, right? You've all had one of those gifts, right? And it has the strings attached. God's love is unconditional. There are no strings attached. God's love for you is unearned and un, un listen to this now, unconditional and isn't that unbelievable. Come on, let's say that together. Say it, say, say it together. God's love for me is unearned unconditional and isn't that unbelievable come on we can do better than that online we hear you come on God's love for me is unearned it's unconditional and isn't that unbelievable isn't it yes it is it's good unbelievable God loves us that much so who are we what's our identity we are wholly loved by God you and I are children of the most high God in Christ We have everything, more than you could possibly imagine. And that is good news. That is such good news. Look, on Easter, we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ, some 2,000 years ago now, lived a perfect life, was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, taught amazing things, suffered on the cross, died, but then on the third day rose again. We celebrate that, but you know what that proves to us? This should prove to you beyond any shadow of the doubt that God loves you so fiercely he would do anything for you. He would even go there. And isn't that unbelievable? I know us. I know me. Why would he do that for me? Why would he do that for you? Because his love for you and me is unearned. It's unconditional and it's unbelievable. 
Oh, God is for you. And if you've never said yes to Jesus today, you could do that. Even on Easter Sunday, 2021, as weird as it is in the world right now, you can say yes to Jesus. It's very simple. The invitation to say yes to Jesus and be part of that radical love family is to believe, have faith, that God is who He says He is. That He sent Jesus, His Son, to live a perfect life and die for your sins. And then you repent of your sins. That's the second thing. You repent. You've been going your way and it wasn't working out. And repentance is simply a biblical word. It means you're turning the direction from going your own way in, in your life of sin. And you're saying, I need a Savior. And you start following Jesus. That's a repentance. And then you say to the world and to your family and to us here that you're all in. That you not only need a Savior, but you're now following Jesus as King. And that's confession. And then you can be baptized into Christ. Now, baptism is a death to your old life and rising out of that water to a new life. And a new perspective on the world. In fact, we have a baptistry. I'm glad you asked. Set up right today. We're going, to have, we're going to be able to celebrate some baptisms today. If that's something you've never done, that's an important step. That's an identity with Christ. That's a pledge of a, a good conscience. That's, that's a help and healing and a new life. You can do that today. And then you begin living as a, a follower of Jesus. Part of the family. Part of the radical love family. So if that's your decision, we would love that. But if you've never said yes to Jesus before, or you could do that today. But if you have said yes to Jesus, I, I said yes to Jesus when I was 15. And so if you've, had, if you've said yes to Jesus, you know what our role is? Is to show that radical love to the people around us. To actually do what Jesus said and to love our neighbor. Show that radical love. Even to people that don't dress like you, vote like you, act like you. You get to show them that unconditional love. And when they see your love, they're going to say, wow, now that's a God I could serve. That unconditional love that you get to show them. So whatever your decision is today... Lean into that love. Look, God's love for you and me is permanent and irrevocable. When we say yes to Jesus, when we're in his love family, we have like a backstage pass. We, we have Golden Club membership. We have unfettered access to the King of Kings. We can approach the throne with confidence because he loves us. We have preferred status as a child of God. And I encourage you to lean into that today because you know what? Our identity is we, you and I, are radically loved. You know what? And God's love for me, let's do this. God's love for me is unearned. It's unconditional. And isn't that unbelievable? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. You're so powerful and mighty. You love us more than we could possibly imagine, even though we're, we know we're more sinful than we want to realize. But God, your love is so beautiful. It empowers us to live differently. So, Father, may your love work through us this week. May we love on people around us, and may we show your unconditional love just like you gave us. We get to give that to other people. Father, empower us to be your church in our world. In Jesus' name.